Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John declared, quote, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. As Christians, we not only have the incredible forgiveness of our sins, but we are actually sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Do you have a lifestyle of experiencing this incredible love of God our Father? Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 3, that we might better understand this overwhelming love the Father has lavished on us in Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you for your love. Father, above all, we thank you for your love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen. And we worship you today, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. Just just heavy and strong verses, right? I mean, John is uh, is serious here. I mean, the Holy Spirit is, is leading the Apostle John in these verses. 
And they are, I mean, they are substantial. They're powerful. And I mean, they're just, they are pregnant with meaning. So, all right, verse one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. All of us have relationships with people who are, who are not Christians, or they may even think they're Christians, but they're not genuine Christians. And, and you really can't have a, a deep and intimate relationship with people. You can't have a, a meaningful, thoughtful relationship with people because they don't, they don't know you because they don't know Jesus, right? It's in Jesus Christ that we are actually related spiritually. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. All of, the, all of us who are genuinely saved Christians have Jesus living in us. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's given us eternal life and we are one with each other. It says the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So again, the deeper you're walking with Jesus, the more you long for fellowship with others who are, are deeply walking with Jesus. And when someone is not walking with Christ or they're not saved, it's, it's hard to have any type of substantial and meaningful fellowship with them, right? The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Again, to have this knowing fellowship and relationship with other people at the deepest level, at a meaningful level, they have to be in Christ as well. And, and otherwise, they, they won't recognize who we are in Jesus. But it's interesting. Look at the first part of the verse. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Our Heavenly Father is love, right? The scripture says God is love, John tells us here. Um, but it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You know, our, our Heavenly Father could have saved us without becoming our Father. It wasn't mandatory to our salvation that he become our Father. That was not mandatory. He could have he could have provided the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, but not only did he do that, in Jesus Christ, we are his children. He is our father. God the Father is our heavenly father in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's something that, that every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ needs to have a deeper, just greater understanding that we really are in Jesus Christ, children of our heavenly father and the magnitude of that love that he has made us children, not just forgiven, which which would have been a blessing beyond understanding, but then made us his his very children, his spiritual children in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is called the great love that's been lavished or just poured out on us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for this incredible love you've given us and shown us. Mm. Verse two, dear friends, now we are children of God. In Jesus Christ, we are his children. Look what he says, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him. Doesn't say Jesus. I'm explaining what he means there. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him 
for we shall see him as he is. Wow. Okay, so he says, dear friends, now we are children of God. Presently, right now, we have eternal life in Jesus Christ at this moment, if you're in Jesus then God the Father is your heavenly Father right now. But he goes on to say, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So there's still this, 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 this mystery of what it will be like in the next life. There are some things the scripture has, has revealed to us about what it's going to be like in heaven, and that's exciting, but there's we still do not understand. It hasn't been revealed to us, right? Now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, right? We don't know the the immensity, the fullness, the joy, the excitement. What we're going to look forward to of being in heaven is something all of us as believers ought to long for. He says, but we know that when he appears, and here's the key, when Jesus appears, when he either comes for us at his second coming, or when we die and go to him. But we know that when we when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And that ought to be the desire of every one of our lives, even today. And it ought to be the deep conviction of our lives, okay? The more we grow to know Jesus, the more we ought to desire Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to want to be like Jesus, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. The, the, the greatest blessing of when we of when we when we leave this life, there will be there'll be countless blessings in heaven, but the greatest one will be that we'll see Jesus and we will be transformed to a level where we will be more and more like him. Now, this doesn't mean we'll be canceled out. We'll still have our, our, our individual personalities. There'll be no sin. But the greatest blessing of heaven is that we will be with Jesus, that we will see him as he is. Wow. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse three, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure, right? You remember in Matthew five, the Beatitudes, my wife's favorite verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. The more we live our lives in purity, the more we live our lives in abstaining from sin, the more we live our lives in, in, in repentance for where we have sinned, um, the more we live our lives in doing what's right and living a life of righteousness. Again, that can, that, we cannot be saved in any way by anything we do, but the result of our salvation ought to be this desire to live a life of increasing purity. And John says, everyone who has this hope, when you just really wanna be like Jesus, you purify yourself. You, as you walk more and more with Jesus, you live a life of greater purity, a, a, a life of greater holiness, a, light, a life of, of greater righteousness. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And Jesus promised, blessed are the pure in heart. The more pure, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we grow and mature in our walk with Jesus, in purity, in, you know, in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, the, the more we will see him, the more we will experience him in all the different moments of our lives, the more we will experience his presence, his fullness, 
his love, his wonder, his majesty. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. So the question is, are you in a process of cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the process we call sanctification? After you've been justified, justification is a one-time event. It means to be declared not guilty of sin, righteous before God, based on the finished work that Christ did on the cross. You've received Christ. The perfect righteous life that Jesus lived has been credited to you. All of your sin, all of my sin, past, present, and future, has been credited to Christ at the cross. The Father has declared you not guilty based on what Christ has done. The Father has actually credited you, credited me, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived as if we lived it. We didn't, but it's been credited to us as if we did. All of our sin, again, past, present, and future sin, has been credited to Jesus at the cross, and we are justified. We're not guilty. God the Father is our heavenly Father. We are declared righteous before him. That's a one-time event positionally. After justification, we spend the rest of our lives in this life in a process called sanctification. Sanctification is increasing holiness and Christ-likeness, being more and more like Jesus, in the life of the believer, in the life of the one that's been justified, right? And so part of that process, right, is living a life of greater and greater purity and a desire for purity. And the more we do that, the more we will see him. That's the promise, right, of Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Here's an explanation of sin at its foundation is just violating the law, the, the moral law that our heavenly father has put down, that God has put down. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Okay. We've been given a conscience. We know when we do wrong. Um, and sin at its base, again, is, is lawlessness. It's, it's violating the rules, the law that our Heavenly Father has given us to live by. Okay, so when we sin in our thoughts, words, or deeds, we're breaking the law. It's lawlessness. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Verse 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. Okay, there it is. Um, you know, I believe it's Hebrews 4.15 that says, you know, um, that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. I believe it's Hebrews 4.15. Stephen will have it up on the screen if you're, at, uh, if you're on YouTube. I'm almost certain. Um, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Okay, here it is. Jesus Christ when he walked this earth, was perfect. Never sinned in thought, word, and deed. Now, see, it's bothering me, so I got to go to Hebrews here just to confirm that I was correct in Hebrews 4.15. Was I right on that? All right, where am I here? Okay. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So, yes, it is Hebrews 415. And here we have it in 1 John 3, verse 5. And in him is no sin. Look at the first part of the verse. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Here's the foundation 
the necessity, the primary reason above all. There are, again, there are countless benefits of, 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 of being in Jesus Christ. But the primary need that we have is to have our sins removed. If he has not taken away our sins, all 8 billion, 200 million people in the world need the removal of their sins. Verse 5, but you know that he appeared, Jesus appeared, entered this world, God the Son, the Son of God, so that he might take away our sins. Okay? If Jesus has not removed your sin, and that happens when you have trusted in him, when you've received him, right? John 1.12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, so have you put your full faith and confidence and trust in Jesus? Are you literally clinging to Jesus alone today for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul? Because without that, if, if Jesus has not taken away our sins, every individual person alive in the world today or that has ever been alive needs the removal of their sins in Jesus Christ. And if they haven't been removed, we remain under the wrath of God the Father because of our sin. And we will spend an eternity in hell separated from the triune God, paying our own sin debt. It's, uh, the consequences are immense, right? But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. If you haven't, if you're not sure that you're a Christian today, if you're not sure that Jesus has removed your sin, if you're not sure that, you've, that you're trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone, Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, again, it's not our words that save us. Uh, what Paul is saying there is that when we understand our hopeless, helpless, desperate condition, when we know that we're sinful and only hell awaits and we throw ourselves at the mercy of Jesus, we humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross in our place and on our behalf, and we call out to him from that place of knowing our desperate need of him, you will be saved. God has given his word. Again, it's not just puppeting words, but we do use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus, right? So again, you can humble yourself before him now and call on him and just say, Lord Jesus, I know, I confess I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I've done wrong and I know that I'm hopeless, helpless, and desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe you did come into this world and lived a perfect righteous life, even for me, and died a torturous death on the cross, even for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, if you're not sure, you can use the words that I used but obviously, when the scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, will be saved, okay? It, it's, it's the sincerity that matters. It's the genuineness that matters, right? Verse 6, no one who lives in him, Jesus, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. This is a huge verse. What is John saying here? He already said in 1 John, uh, the first chapter of this book, chapter 1, verse 8, that if we deny that we have sin in our lives, that, that we don't know Jesus. 
And now he's saying no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. What John is saying here is that if you're in Jesus today, if you're a genuine Christian and you are indifferent toward a sinful lifestyle, a sinful lifestyle. If you claim to have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and there's literally no difference in your life from a worldly person who doesn't believe in Jesus, then you're not a genuine Christian, okay? Now again, none of us as Christians will be perfect in this life. None of us will be without sin, okay? What John is talking about here is again, a pattern of unrepentant sin in your life. If you can have a lifestyle of living in deliberate sin, okay, living in disobedience to the word of God with no care, with no thought, with no concern, with no desire, with no conviction, John is saying that you have never really seen Jesus or you've never really known him, right? We did the the, the five teaching series on, you know, how do I know that I'm really saved? And, the, and really the core verse of that is the scariest verse in the Bible, where at one day every human being is going to stand before Jesus and you don't want him to say away from me, I, I never knew you, right? There were, these people thought they were Christians, but they were never genuine Christians. So again, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. What that means is that, that you won't have a, a lifestyle of habitual, unrepentant sin with no desire or no care at all to, to repent, Okay, so examine yourself, right? When you, when you, you know, when you do make mistakes, when you do sin, and, and all of us do, I do, right? Uh, certainly I do, probably more than anybody. Um, you know, but there is a conviction in my heart. I don't want to do that. I am grieved over it. I'm bothered by it. Um, so again, examine yourself. Verse seven, dear children, do not anyone, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. So now he said, you ought to have a lifestyle where you are convicted over your sin. You're not going to be perfect, but you know, you're, you're not living in deliberate, unrepentant sin with no conviction or no desire to do better. Now he says, dear children, and he's, he's referring to all Christians now, do not, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Now, again, we cannot be made right with God, with our heavenly father, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, based on any righteous living we do. Again, we're made right with Jesus. We're made right with our heavenly father by trusting in Jesus, by just simply opening our hands and receiving the free gift of salvation. We cannot earn it in any way. However, the result of that ought to be a growing desire to live a life of righteousness. There ought to be a growing desire to do what's right more and more and more and more in every aspect of our lives and to repent where we don't do what's right. So again, he's talking about a lifestyle here, not perfection. And again, this doesn't save us. That's been made clear throughout the entire Bible, okay? We're saved by trusting in what Jesus has done, not, not in our own righteousness and merit. But the result of us claiming, when we claim that we've received Jesus, John says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Meaning, if you have received the righteousness of Christ, if you have been made right with God in Jesus Christ our Lord, then there ought to be evidence in your life of a growing desire to more and more do what's right in every aspect of your life. Right? 
he who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. Again, Jesus, we know that he's perfectly righteous. He never did anything wrong. And not only that, he did everything right. It's not about just not doing bad. It's about doing everything good, right? We know that Jesus is righteous. And, and as children of our heavenly father, we ought to emulate that, right? Um, you know, I, some of the scholars pointed out has, you know, how children in their physical appearance, you can see sometimes, you know, how they look a little like their parents. That's how we ought to be, right? If we're children of our heavenly father, we ought to resemble him, right? We ought to be living our lives in, in an increasingly righteous way that resembles our heavenly father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and the Holy Spirit. Verse eight, he, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is a, it's a heavy word again. Okay, so now the, the scripture has been made clear. Okay, uh, John in the, in the last chapter, you know, of this book is gonna say that, uh, is gonna say that the whole world is under the control of the evil one, right? Look at uh, verse 19 of chapter five. John, 1 John 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus in John 8 actually told the, the people he was talking about, the religious leaders he was talking to, that they were children of the devil. Now, this is heavy. This is strong. This is the plain meaning of the scriptures. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come out from under the dominion of the devil into where God the Father is your heavenly Father now, right? Um, uh, but, you know, John says, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And, and again, it, it's, this is something, again, we live in a, in a Christian culture, and I confess, you know, again, I just... I don't take what I believe to be, you know, the quote little sins, and there are no little sins, whether it be my my impatience, my frustration, my irritation, uh, you know, just there's times I'm selfish, right? I, I don't take it serious enough, right? Um, you know, um, we have the, you know, this, we look at the big sins, right? Um, you know, of, you know, like adultery or something. And so, you know, um, as long as we're not committing adultery or murder or something like that, we think we're okay. But, uh, you know, or stealing, you know, but, but, but all of us ought to be looking to be more holy in every aspect of our thoughts, again, our words and our deeds. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Again, what he's saying here is someone who is, is claiming to be a Christian but yet has no lifestyle like Jesus at all, lives in com complete habitual sin with no conviction, no desire to do better. They're not a real Christian. God the Father is not their heavenly father. They're actually of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Look what he said. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus doesn't want to mess around with it. He doesn't want to hinder it, right? He wants to destroy the devil's work. And in Jesus... We do destroy the devil's work, and the devil's work is to lead humanity into greater and greater sin. Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Now, what is he saying here? 
okay? Because again, he's already said that none of us will be perfect in this life. Again, he's talking about a habitual lifestyle of unrepentant sin. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. We, we actually have Jesus living in us. We have eternal life living in us. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is one with our spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, actually lives in us. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Again, what he's saying is that if we're a genuine Christian today, we will not have a lifestyle like we did before we were a Christian. We won't have a lifestyle of like people in the world who can who can live in every form of sin, lying, cheating, stealing, um, you know, in, in every manner. Um, with no conviction, with no desire to do better, with no intent to do better. So when he says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin, again, when we receive spiritual life, when we receive eternal life, Jesus comes to live in us. And again, he's leading us to live a more holy life. Now, all of us are in a different place in our maturity in Christ. But again, none of us ought to have a lifestyle of total, complete, habitual sin, with no conviction, no repentance. If you would examine yourself and say that's you today, go back to the foot of the cross and receive Jesus anew and afresh. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Again, he cannot go on living in, in complete, total, habitual, unrepentant sin. Okay, none of us are going to be perfect in this life. John is talking about a lifestyle here, right? Our lifestyle ought to be ones that when we're when we're when we're acting in a sinful way, even if it happens over and over and over and over. These things I've said about myself, my impatience, right? There are areas where I'm very self-serving, I'm myopic, I'm selfish, but I'm convicted over it. And I, you know, I consistently am making these mistakes. I want my own way all the time. Uh, but I'm convicted over it and I want to do better over it. I'm grieved over it right? That's how we know that we've been born of him, right? Because we want to please him. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Now, again, this is a very, very heavy verse, okay? There are two types of people in the world, children of God and children of the devil. I didn't write it, right? I understand it's heavy. This is the plain teaching of the scripture. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. That's verse 10. Okay, so again, you want to step back. You want to examine yourself. Do you have a lifestyle and a desire to consistently do what's right? Or, you know, can you just act in a way that's that's wrong, that's, that's sinful, um, that's harmful to other people? Um, it's a dog eat dog world. And if you can live that way with, with no conviction, you know, no desire at all to do what's right, then, then you're not really a, ch a Christian, a real child of God. Now, again, I've already said to you, I can see areas of my life where I'm like this, but I do repent. John says, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And do you have a a genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you, do you look to bless them? Do you look to encourage them? Do you want to, do you pray for them? Does it bother you when they're struggling and going through trials and difficulties? Do you have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. So again, 
John is causing us to examine ourselves here. He's speaking to Christians and he wants us to make sure that our claim of being in Christ is true. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. Father, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Father, again, where, where I don't hate sin enough, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to, to purify ourselves, to walk with you, to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit, that we might be more and more pure, more and more holy, and more and more pleasing to you, Father, in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, seal the message to our hearts now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.